I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Here's our host, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio. Well, I think the film The Incredibles got it right. If everybody's special, nobody's special. It seems like we have so many special councils. I'm wondering how many of them are actually special and how many of them are actually just councils. Uh, we have a lot of those going along uh, all across the political spectrum. And so, of course, today it was announced by Attorney General Merrick Garland that he has appointed a special counsel to investigate whether President Biden mishandled classified documents found in uh, his office there at uh, Biden Penn, uh, also found in his garage in a box next to his Corvette. Uh, In the week before this announcement, Republicans uh, heated the water around President Biden by comparing his documents to the 320 files found at the FBI raid at Mar-a-Lago. We'll talk about conflation and comparison in just a minute. Uh, The real question to me, though, is centered in do these situations, do these special counsel things that come up, uh, are they part of what's undermining everyone's trust in the Department of Justice? How big a problem is it? Uh, how big a problem is it to President Biden? How big a problem is it going to be for former President uh, Donald Trump? Uh, and there's, all, of course, kinds of other things that have gone on. You may remember back to uh, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and how she handled classified documents, some of those in her email system. And so there's there's lots of different versions of this. Uh, but I don't want to get distracted by whether or not you are a lover of President Trump or President Biden or former Secretary Clinton. Uh, I want to set all of that on the sideline because that's not what this is about. This should not be about a political issue. It should be about a getting to the truth process. And so I want to focus there first. We'll talk about the political ramifications and what needs to be dealt with. Uh, but I want to get to just process first. Uh, Really interesting. Earlier today, former U.S. attorney uh, for Utah, John Huber, uh, was on with Dave Dejanovic uh, talking about uh, some of these comparisons that are naturally made out there between current President Biden, former President Trump, Hillary Clinton and so on. Interesting response uh, from John Huber. I mean, this gets to the point where you're saying this is a systemic problem that just goes from decade to decade. This isn't a Donald Trump problem. This isn't a Joe Biden problem. I mean, I was called upon by the department to look into Hillary Clinton for her time as secretary of state. It's just seems like it's perennial that we have these issues. And so it can be a hot button item and and you can point fingers and get all excited and ramped up. But then to have this kind of development with the sitting president 
just, I think, underscores this is a really sloppy problem for the federal government. Uh, and I agree with John and Huber. This is just a sloppy problem. I don't care about where you fall on the political spectrum. It's just sloppy. And sometimes it goes back to the mentality of the person in charge. And uh, former U.S. attorney uh, for Utah, John Huber, um, said this about just the mentality of the leader and how some of these rules get broken. I think Dave made a good point the other day. Um, Is it the boss or is it the person who's in the middle doing their hard work every day? And I think sometimes our bosses look at it and think, look, I'm the smartest person in the room. I'm, I'm the most wise person in the room. I can decide what's best for the country unilaterally, unanimously on my own. And I think that really is a problem here that we're seeing with these people who are heads of departments or heads of the United States itself deciding, look, I get to make the rules myself. And we can see that that isn't one person and one personality, one party. We can see now that, hey, this is a challenge yeah, quite often, all the time. So it it is a challenge, uh, and there are all kinds of documents that uh, move through. And we've heard from a wide range of people today in terms of how classified documents are handled. I'm watching right now on CNN, former Speaker of the House Paul Ryan is talking about the process he used for handling classified documents, the safe he had at home, and all of those kinds of things. Uh, and so there's there's all of this that goes on. Then, of course, you have the staff level to all of that. And some staff have a higher security clearance, which means they're able to handle uh, different levels of classified documents. They also sign off on a code of ethics that goes with that in terms of how they handle those, where they store them, where they put them back at the end of the day, uh, all of which can be the cause of, of getting fired or reprimanded uh, if you don't do that right. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. And so to me, this is uh, an interest, an interesting thing. There's been a, a number of conversations as we've kind of gone up and down the halls today of, you know, can't we just have kind of a library system when it comes to, to classified information where you could check something in and put it back? Uh, we thought this might be one way to, to make the Dewey Decimal System cool again. Uh, if we just had a, a brand new government Dewey Decimal System for checking in and returning classified documents, whether you're the president or whether you're a junior staffer uh, on some committee, uh, there's got to be something that would work in terms of keeping those things classified. Uh, now, the politics of it all is what drives me crazy uh, because you've got people conflating and saying, well, this is the same as this or this is unfair because this person got treated this way. Uh, and I think there are some real distinctions 
that I think are really important for us to understand and, and recognize. If you do want to do the comparison route between President Biden and former President Trump, I, I think the very easy easiest place to look in terms of the difference is first with the former president. Uh, he had been requested to return these documents for over a year. Uh, and so the National Archives knew that he had these documents. They knew they were missing. Uh, they asked for them. There were several delays. Uh, and so that triggered a whole set of things in terms of, uh, is this slowing down the process? Uh, is this, uh, you know, being an interfering in a, in a case and so on? Uh, all of that uh, makes it very, very different. Uh, here you had the discovery of some of these documents, again, from what we know thus far. Uh, once they were discovered, they were handed over. Uh, and so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. The one thing, caution I will say, though, uh, is we do know from the reporting that the Department of Justice in their investigation did interview a number of President Biden's staff members. And these would have been former staff members, uh, most of them, because they would have worked during the period uh, when he was vice president of the United States. Uh, they were interviewed and had everything checked out just right. I'm pretty sure that Merrick Garland today would have said we did a thorough investigation. In fact, here's everything we investigated. Here's the people that we talked to uh, and the testimony that was given. And we don't think there's a reason to go any further. And we're done. Uh, but he didn't. Uh, he appointed Robert Hurd to be the special counsel. Uh, and so that means there is at least something there that Merrick Garland felt like needed to be explored, that needed to be investigated. And that's the way it's supposed to work. Uh, and now the special counsel with uh, Robert Hur at the head will be independent of the Department of Justice. So they don't get day-to-day -day guidance from Merrick Garland or anyone else. They become this independent little entity that can pursue the facts, that can per pursue all of the different pieces of the case, and then come back in terms of what they actually discovered. Uh, and that's an important part of it. There's clearly at least something there that uh, caused Merrick Garland to say, we at least need to have a special counsel for this. And it'll be interesting to see how long they take, uh, what direction it goes, uh, and if there's anything of substance uh, that comes as a result of this. I think that's ultimately the test. But the most important thing to me in this whole process is that we don't use these things as a see, I told you so, or a yeah, but, uh, or a blunt force instrument to make our political case for whatever issue we're arguing about today. But this should be about the truth. And it should also be about the trust that the American people can have in the institutions, especially in the Department of Justice. And if we can't keep that in play, then we have some much bigger problems that we're going to have to solve down the road. All right, we'll step aside for one last commercial break. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we'll be joined by Utah Governor Spencer Cox. Crucial conversation in our final segment. Stick around on KSL News Radio. We'll be right back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. 
who would help our newest neighbors. Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.